FedEx Forum, Growl Towels, Super Grizz, each one a Memphis Grizzlies tradition. This is the Grizzlies Podcast. What's up, everybody? We are back for another edition of the Grizzlies Podcast. I'm your host, Evan Barnes. We're joined by DeMichael Cole, your Grizzlies beat writer. Obviously, we're going to get right into the news of the day. John Morant has reemerged from his counseling facility. He has been handed down his punishment by the NBA, eight games with credit for time served. Um, he will miss the Grizzlies' next two games for per suspension, which will be Friday at San Antonio and then Saturday hosting the Warriors. He will be eligible to play on Monday, but per Taylor Jenkins, um, given Morant's ramp up because he hasn't played, there's a good chance that he will not play on Monday and will likely come back sometime that week. So also, Josh spoke to ESPN's Jalen Rose yesterday, um, spoke about what he's learned and what's happened to him. And that's what I'm going to hand over to you, DeMichael. Um, what were your big takeaways from just kind of this interview that Ja had with um, with Jalen? Yeah, it, it was the first time, you know, since, since I've covered Ja here that we have seen you know that level of of remorsefulness and and you know he basically said now you know me and you know a, a lot of talk was about his close circle right his friends his family and things like that but he was talking about his friends when he said now we know you know what's at risk here we 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 know you know what can be thrown away i think that was one of my biggest takeaways the other was Ja, you know, finally being open to getting help. You know, I wrote a story in September of of last year, right before the season started, where he talked about, you know, he and he feels like a lot of people are in the NBA go through a lot of tough things, but he said we don't tell anybody. And then after that, he basically said, "Well, I'm a victim of it too." So. It won't do me any good to go out and tell other guys what they should do. You know, you should go get help when I'm not getting it myself. So, you know, that was a big takeaway from, you know, an earlier conversation with him. But now he said, you know, something in the interview with Jalen Rose, basically to the effect of, you know, he can see how his daughter comes up to him and she can tell him when he has a bad day. That makes him feel like he should be able to tell someone too. He says he's been talking to therapists. He's been doing uh, Reiki treatment. You know, anxiety breathing. So as far as that goes, it feels like he's trying. He's covered his bases there. As far as you know, the maturity thing and just at least knowing what's at stake. That's always been my thing. I mean, he's young, but does he really know? You know, because everything's happened so fast for Ja. He's gotten to this point. He's a superstar player in Memphis. Some people are already saying he's the best player in Grizzlies franchise history, and he, he's 23. So, he, I mean, with all that being taken into account, this has happened so fast, and I think this situation is the realization that he has finally had that, wow, this, you know, I'm not untouchable. It's, this can be taken away at any given moment. And if he truly realizes that or not will be determined over the course of time through his overall actions. But what we do know is he at least has that understanding now, which I think is a step in the right direction. 
Yeah, and obviously his words were very well said. I felt I I didn't see I didn't think it was anything that was forced. I think it was obviously thought out. Whether it was planned or not, behind the scenes doesn't matter. It's how you deliver it, and I think he delivered it in a way that seemed believable. Um, I think for me, the one thing that I took away mostly was just obviously he admitted obviously yes there was a gun in the video, and he explained kind of what he was what he was doing. Um, just kind of in that in that scene, but also we look, you know, taking the bigger picture because really, and we have to remember this, we're not here just only because of a mental health situation. We're at this position now with job because of a series of ish, a series of incidents. The gun situation being the most prominent and the most recent, but we're here because of what happened with the Pacers. We're here because of what happened in January with the teenager at his place. We're here because of what happened at the mall. And then obviously this 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 report also that happened with him and his family coming to the defense of his sister. Um, again, three of those, I think two of those incidents relatively minor in scope. Obviously, the situation with the teenager was minor when we initially discussed it in January. But, you know, based on new details, Washington Post revealed um, it may have been a little bit more serious. And so I think it's everything just kind of stacking up right now. And I think. What what I like from what Josh said is that one, he's taking time to process himself and understand himself and take care of himself. But as you mentioned, the work begins now. The work started at the counseling facility. It started with his interview with Jalen Rose. The work continues now. And I think we're gonna have to just see how that contrition, how that um those words carry out. And it's gonna take time. It's not something that's gonna happen overnight. Um, because even with Moran's statement. You were let we were led to think that this is something that's going to be a ongoing process because of the words he used, talked about stress, talked about handling, you know, things of that nature. And so the one thing you hope for is that that Ja does continue to do the work and that he does continue. Because like you said, I've never seen him this um contrite, this this at this position, but also he's never been at this position before. He's never been at the place where he realizes that, hey, I keep doing this. I could lose a whole lot. And let's just get to it. If he had stayed away, if he had been away from the team much longer, we would have had to have had those conversations about would he lose those that $39 million extension, part of his uh, contract extension, because he wouldn't be eligible for the All-NBA team. So he stared at, obviously, what Kari said that you mentioned, his daughter. He obviously recognized, hey, I could lose a whole lot from this. And so it's important that he recognizes that to make sure that now the work begins on his wholeness, not just his strength. Um, DeMichael, I also want to go into something here, too. Um, the NBA suspension, obviously, they suspended him for time served. So instead of, you know, it's eight games, but in reality, he's been technically suspended for two because the Grizzlies said he was spending time away. So that technically was not a suspension. So of the eight games, you know, technically, we know now he'll be suspended for just two because um, he got credit for time served. What did you make of the NBA's, um, I don't know if I want to say leniency, but just the results of what they found and kind of how that may be a warning going forward? Yeah, uh, so a lot of people know that Adam Silver was one of the people who spoke with Job, but actually, you know, Evan, there were a lot more people, you know, Joe in Dumars. the world. Yeah, Joe, and Joe Dumars is obviously someone who has a lot of influence in the NBA. And, you know, he kind of is a big voice in determining fines, suspensions, uh, things of that nature. And, of course, his name speaks for itself, as well as some others who were in the room. But, mm-hmm. 
it seems like it was clear, clearly stated to Ja, you know, his his actions, the potential, what they could lead to. But there also, you know, from my understanding, was some support issued out to Ja Morant there. So he has to, you know, realize that the support that the NBA is giving you despite all this, this is why a lot of people consider you to be one of the faces of the league. He said to Jalen Rose in, in the interview that, you know, being a role model is something he embraces. Okay, so if that's the case, this is how you show it. At the NBA, basically, with the eight-game eight, eight game suspension, I think, you know, the fact that it's time served and it's it's dating back to when he first left the Grizzlies, it allows him, you know, to return to the team and and participate in game action, you know, shortly thereafter. You know, we, we talked about him being able to return on March 20th, which is when the Grizzlies host the Mavericks. Of course, as I've said before, he's going to have to ramp up and he's going to have to. He's, he's At that point, he'll have been away from the team for 16 days. So it's unrealistic to expect him to walk in the facility and, and gear up for a game. But with that being said, you know, there's a step in the right direction for that, too. But, Evan, there's something else that I've seen people kind of mention and, and kind of just wanted to get your opinion on as well in terms of this happened kind of fast. And, you know, just tracking the conversation. And some of these people, you know, are people who I think care about Ja from a distance, not in his, you know, circle or anything like that. But with this John Morant situation, you have people who care about him, and then you have people who already don't like John Morant, and it's just fuel to their fire. So with that being said, Evan, this has happened so fast. And if you listen to John Morant a talk in that interview, he basically said mentally he's in a better place than he has been in years. And he has a full understanding of, you know, what's at stake and the people around him at stake. Is that something you think that you can fully grasp in what it's been at that point of the interview, a little more, a little more than 10 days? I think that's the, the question that a lot of people who are, I guess, skeptical about the timeliness of this. And and that's kind of another question that's kind of being brought to the table because people want to know. People want to know, okay, like you said, at the end of the day, like I said, it's going to show through his actions over the course of time. Yes, he entered a counseling program, but it was it was brief. You know, he was only away uh, before the New York uh uh, interview and in, in the trip to to the league office for around 10 to 11 days. So do you feel like, you know, that's enough time for someone could realistically uh, get a grasp of what's going on here? I'm going to be honest. No. And I'm not saying that as a negative. I, I, I think it's a process. It's an ongoing process where, yes, you can realize in the moment that in 10 days, you can take stock of everything. But I say no because I want this to be a longer process. Um, I want it to be a process that is longer than just he went away, he's back, he moves on to this new chapter. I don't think 10 days is enough time, and I hope it's not enough time because this is something where he and his family and his friends have to really kind of like make physical changes, and that's a process. And so 
not saying that 10 days isn't enough, but it's giving a runway to say, hey, there's going to be more work that you have to do. And anybody who's who's been through therapy or has gone through therapy or knows people in therapy knows that the work continues after your meeting is done, right? Um, maybe it's doing research. Maybe it's taking notes. Maybe it's breathing exercises um, that Josh has done, as Josh mentioned he's doing. But there's a lot of work that needs to be done after you start and finish your meetings. And so um, I don't think it's a lot of time, but I also think it's important for Josh to recognize that this is the beginning of a journey. This is the beginning of him rewriting, as he wants to put it, rewriting the narrative that people have about him. But it's the narrative that he actually, he has created. He has kind of created this narrative of somebody who is obviously very talented, obviously very family oriented, and obviously somebody who has made some decisions that could have cost him a lot of money and a lot of things that are close to him. And so I hope that this is longer than Taylor. And I hope people see it as longer because again, people are going to get into fan mode where they're like, okay, jobs back. Yay. 12. We're rooting for you. You know, we want you to get well, but we want you to get stronger, blah, 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 blah. But my thing is, if you care about John Morant's wholeness, then you should be skeptical about the 10 days only because the way his statement sounded and the way that we're, the reason that we're here is because he had a gun in the video, then you have to be not necessarily skeptical, but you have to say, I want to see more. And I thought Michael Wilbon on ESPN did a great job of kind of, you know, he was a bit firm with Ja. He was a bit firm about saying that the talk is good, but I need to see actions. Um, I liked what he said, because I think that's kind of speaking the real talk that we need to see the work that's going to be done. And it's not necessarily putting pressure. I was like, hey, man, we want you to get better, but we need you to do a little bit more evaluation that comes in time. And we can't speed that process up. So um, to cut that short, I don't think 10 days is enough, but I also think it shouldn't be enough because the work now continues in full. Yeah, for sure. That's that's how I feel, too, at this point. You know, there is not there's not been enough time. You know, I don't know in terms of the the interview. That's why I was like, this is, you know, some of the things you were saying, I was thinking, you know, those are things that probably should be said a little bit after a little bit more time passes and, and you get a real idea of, you know, what's at stake and whatnot. But to a certain degree, you know, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm not in his shoes. So, so if that's what John Morant said. That's, that's what he said. But at the same time, I agree with the point of, yes, you know, that we can, we can understand that there's been progress made here. There's more understanding because, you know, some things were almost taken away. But now this is when, you know, the, the work has to 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 continue. The work continues. You know, you, you mentioned, you know, the things he, he did in, you know, the therapy. Right. You got to continue to do those things, continue to hone in on what you learned. And this process doesn't stop now. You know, John, one of the things he said to me when we did the story in September, one of the things John Morant said was, as a basketball player, it's it's a lot of, I, I forget the exact question that he asked, but people often ask how he's doing on the court instead of how he's doing as a person. So that's something he's long been aware of. And you hope the people around him, uh, the fans and everyone else don't fall into that same trap again. When he first gets back, because I know it's going to be a playoff push. 
It's going to be, you know, oh, the, the Grizzlies are, are trying to c- compete back for a championship and, and Steven Adams will come back soon thereafter that. So I know the attention, you know, will have, will be on basketball for the most part, but you cannot lose sight of this, uh, not, not Ja, not the people, you know, around Ja. And I think it will just be important to to continue to have those, you know, those conversations, that dialogue, those check-ins with, with people, because that'll determine, you know, to me, I feel like that'll determine if, you know, mentally he is truly in a in a really good spot over the course of time and how it affects him, you know, his on the court, you know, playing his off the court lifestyle and all of those things. Most definitely. So um, I think we, we we touch on this enough. And I and I think that to me, time is going to be the judge and time is going to be the one thing that Ja is held accountable to It's where is he in five months? Where is he in six months? Where is he in a year? And I think it's just a matter of, you know, him, his family, his, you know, his 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 good circle and even the Grizzlies, the Grizzlies have to make sure that they um take stock of what they need to do differently, you know, as well. And I think that's something that else needs to happen is that everything around Ja has to reevaluate, whether it's, you know, fans, even us maybe in some way, but definitely the Grizzlies for sure are going to have to make sure that they are, you know, helping this as, as well and not just facilitating, you know, the 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 help, but also being firm checking in. And Taylor Jenkins even talked about how, you know, there's some standards that Ja had to meet before he came back. And so I think the Grizzlies have to make sure that they are are firm because obviously we know that teams are going to, you know, you know, cater to their their star players, especially if you're a small market team, because obviously you're worried about, you know, what could happen and you don't want to alienate them. But the facts are this. John Morant's under contract for the next four or five years. You know, I think you have to be very protective of him and being protective of him means putting things around him to help him be his best self. Um, that's part of your job as his employer, but that's also part of your job is saying, hey, we care about you. We want this to work. So there's a lot that we're going to keep an eye on um, overall, but ultimately this is where we see what Ja does. So before we, you know, as we continue on here, let's let's obviously, you know, talk this a little bit about basketball here because um, Ja Moran does return to a team that is second in the I believe is still fighting for second in the West with the Sacramento Kings. You know, that 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 number two race is obviously shifting almost every day at this point. Um, I believe Sacramento's record this is number two, the Grizzlies are number three. Um, DeMichael, you wrote something about the number two seed and kind of how interesting this race is going to be. Um, we're in the push right now over these next this next month or so. How do you see this playing out um with job being back? But just as a bigger picture, like how do you think this is going to play out just looking at the Grizzly schedule? Because now we talked about this after Miami, the schedule gets a little bit more favorable for Memphis. How do you kind of see this race, not necessarily offering a prediction, but how do you see it playing out now as we prepare for this uh, final stretch? Well, I, I think there's a chance to make a run here because it, it it's about to get a little bit easier. And even before Ja gets back, you got the Spurs and the Warriors on the back-to-back, yes. Uh, but at the end of the day, the Warriors, as we've seen at this point, have lost nine road games in a row. They'll play, you know, in Atlanta, I believe, on Friday. And yep, then they'll be on the on second. Back-to-back. And they'll on be on, yep, the second out of a back-to-back when they come to Memphis. So with that being said, you, you get the Warriors at home, 
team that's bad at on the road. Then you get the Mavs. Uh, Luca or Kyrie will probably be back at at that point. But you're at home. The Grizzlies have you know the least amount of home losses in the NBA. Then after that, you get the Rockets twice. You get the Hawks. You get the Magic. You get two home games against the Clippers. You go on the road against the Bulls. You're at home against the Blazers. And then you close the season out with three road games against the Pelicans, Bucks, and Thunder. All three of those games could be tough. But leading up to that point, every single game, if the Grizzlies aren't favorite in every single game, they'll be slight underdogs. Uh, All those games are very winnable games, which means that Memphis is in a solid position. Right now, you talk about competing for the number two seed, which Sacramento, you know, regained yesterday after defeating uh, the Bulls. You know, De'Aaron Fox late game three pointer to 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 win that game, and the Grizzlies lost to the Heat. So I've been seeing people ask, you know, why? You know, both teams are two and two, you know, against each other. But as we've said before, the conference record yep. is the tiebreaker, and the thing about that is. The Kings are much, much better in the West, and it's 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 funny how that works out, right? Uh, the mm-hmm. Kings, the Kings have been much better in the West this season uh, than the Grizzlies. If you go by records as at this point, and we're talking about conference records, the Kings are twenty-seven and fourteen in the West. The Grizzlies are twenty-three and nineteen, so a four and a half game gap. Uh, big difference. I think the next tiebreaker after that is division record. And the Grizzlies have that edge, but as of this point, uh, it's it's kind of looking like Sacramento is is going to have that tiebreaker. So the Grizzlies will have to win it outright. The Grizzlies will have to just finish the season with more wins than the Kings, and they're going to be in a great position to do so at at this point of the season. As we as we just mentioned, you know, this schedule is about to lighten up. Before those final three, Memphis will be in a position where it can it can make a run. You get job back, and we're talking before we're talking even before you know the potential addition of a guy like Stephen Adams, which wouldn't be until the end of the regular season anyway. If if he were allowed uh, to come back at that point, which I think is highly doubtful. So we're we're talking about you know without Stephen Adams kind of factoring in here, which has been tough on this team. It's been tough for them to play without arguably the best rebounder in the NBA. But if you look just from a scheduling standpoint, Memphis has a chance to create some room here. And we're talking about the Kings. Their schedule isn't tough coming up. But after they play, they're on the road against the Nets and the Wizards. After that, they're on the road against the Jazz, who have been really good at home. And then you go back home, but you got the Celtics and the Suns. So... We'll see, you know, what happens over there in, in Sacktown. Those guys are hooping, Evan, but Memphis has put itself in a, in a really good position. Yeah, and I, I've been looking at the schedule while you've been talking, and if I'm looking at this correct, um, after they face Golden State, if I'm not mistaken, looking at this, looking at the Grizzlies schedule, the only team they face that is in the top four or five of a conference as of today would be the two-game stand against the Clippers at the end of March and then at Milwaukee. And again, who knows, Milwaukee might be sitting players that day, depending on where they are. Um, But I think that's the only, those are the only teams that are like top four or five in their respective conferences. 
Um, and we'll probably dive deeper into that going you know, further, but that schedule on paper is very easy. And most importantly, the Grizzlies have, starting with Friday at the Spurs, one, two, three, six road games. So if you assume that as being a home team, they've been so well at home, the road traps may not be as heavy of a road trap. Now they do end with three straight road games, but you get a lot of you get a lot of home games in there that could really help you out. Um, and you mentioned the Kings getting Boston and Phoenix next week. I mean, at home, those are going to be fun games. Like I kind of want to watch those games if I could. Um, but again, it's important for the Grizzlies that they can't tie Sacramento. They have to be ahead of them. But if they tie, Sacramento right now has the leading tiebreaker edge with conference record. So I think it's going to be fun. I think it's going to be exciting. Obviously, jobbing a factor makes it a little bit more interesting, but just on its face, um, there's a chance for the Grizzlies to have back-to-back top three seeds, you know, in NBA, which will be unheard of for this franchise. Right now, they are four and a half games ahead of Phoenix and four, and just looking at the math, it will take a really bad collapse and a really big surge by Phoenix to probably to catch them. Um and so I think right now you're looking at the Grizzlies possibly locked into at least a top four, possibly a top four spot barring a collapse or anything else happening, um, and which, which is good, which is where you want to be as a franchise. And you want to be in a playoff race. You want to be in a situation where every game matters. And so I think it's going to be really fun to see how it unfolds. I wish they were playing one more game, but the Kings and Grizzlies already wrapped up their series. So it should be a lot of fun to keep track of. But, of course, most important right now, the next game's coming up Friday at San Antonio, which are always going to be tricky. Um, Saturday, last game with the Warriors. Um, as far as we know, everybody should be good to go. Obviously, the Warriors play on Friday, so we'll keep an eye on any injuries that may happen. But um, everyone should be good to go on their side, so we will see what happens. But uh, it should be fun, Mike. I'm looking forward to it. I'm, I'm looking forward to it, too, and and we can now <laughs> confirm that Draymond Green w- will likely be available for that for that Grizzlies game since he picked up his his 16th tick. So it's, it's, <laughs> he's probably going to miss the Hawks game, which means it's pretty much impossible for him to pick up any technical fouls before uh, the Warriors <laughs> and Grizzlies meet on Saturday. Yeah, like I mean, like he said to us, you know, he gets technicals when he wants to get technicals, so I guess he wanted a break before playing the uh, <laughs> the Grizzlies have seen Dylan Brooks again, so <laughs> we will see. But, yeah, it should be fun. Obviously, it'll be a great atmosphere on Saturday, so we'll stay tuned for that. But for DeMichael, I'm Evan. Again, thank you all for listening. Um, we will have more at CommercialAppeal.com. We'll be back next week. But until then, stay tuned. The Grizzlies Podcast is a production of the Commercial Appeal.